0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History, F.E.K. Hemingway. Today we are talking about Gabrielle de Pognac. And if you've been tuning in the last couple of weeks, you know all these people are related to Marie Antoinette in some way. So let's find out more from Claudine.
1: Yeah, this one last week we talked about Madame de uh, Lamboul, who was the... Um, Uh, more studious and quiet and serious member of uh, Marie Antoinette's uh, Ladies. And that is not Gabrielle de Polignac.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's the party girl. She was the
1: party girl. Yeah, Gabrielle de Polignac um, was, her her full name was Yolande Martine Gabrielle de Polestran, daughter of Jean-Francois Gabrielle Count de Polestran.
0: That is a mouthful. Yes, it's even longer,
1: but I just... Cut it off. Um, <laughs> but she, and then her mother was Charlotte, um, and Polastron was actually an, an ancient nobility um, of France. So she had a she had a little bit of noble blood going through her. She was born on September 8, forty nine, in Paris. And in um, seventeen sixty seven, at just seventeen years old, she was engaged to be married to the Count Jules de Polignac, who was captain of the Royal Dragon um, Regiment. <laughs>
0: wow yeah, the Manson. royal regiment
1: royal regiment so they were married on july 7th 1767 in a very small ceremony because they didn't they could not actually afford a whole lot um her father they had lost um some money and so they didn't have a whole lot of money um so they just had a very uh, simple uh, ceremony and after that um she ended up going to Versailles one day because uh, her, her husband's sister was the um, lady of honor to Madame Elizabeth, who was the sister of Louis Sixteenth, And somebody we'll talk about in the next few weeks as well. Can't wait to hear about her. Yeah, she was um, invited. um, She invited Gabrielle and her brother to Versailles for a ball. And she was uh, very beautiful. She really stood out. Um, She had this long, narrow face and this really beautiful, light brown, uh, brown hair. And Marie Antoinette saw her and actually walked over and talked to her and said, you know, I haven't noticed you before. Um, you know, I haven't seen you at court, you know, where have you been? And she actually said to her, we don't have the means to afford to be here. Um, and so uh, Marie Antoinette liked her candor and her honesty. And so she kept inviting her to come back.
0: Ah, I like that she was like straight up with the queen, like, uh, we're not supposed to be here.
1: <laughs> yeah, Well, a lot of the times, like, you know, there's um, there is a story of like uh, with Louis the 14th. That, you know, the you know, they would have they would have all of these different people like this is the person that puts your shirt on. This is the person that, you know, like they have have like basically everything they do. They have somebody in that role. Well, one of the most coveted uh, roles was to be the person that was basically there when he used the toilet. And of course, we know that they didn't have indoor plumbing like we do today. But these people, these men would pay tons and tons of money for the honor to do that because you had more time sitting there talking with the queen with the king than anybody else. So it was a highly coveted job. What You actually had to pay to be at court.
0: Ah, oh, that's so weird and gross. You had to pay to hang out in the toilet with the king.
1: Yes. And because a lot of times if you were close to him, then they would bestow titles on you. They would give you properties and chateaus and stuff. So, These, you know, when when we look back at these people that were at court at court, these weren't like jobs. They were paying to be there. They were paying to have a job.
0: They were paying to have a job, hoping that they'd win the lotto and like get a castle.
1: Yes. And which a lot of times they would. I mean, a lot of times they'd be like, oh, here's this castle. Here's this. Here's this title. Here's, you know, all of these things that we've talked about so many different women that, you know, the, you know, that they, the king had a fancy for them, but to keep them around court, they had to give them a title and present it and then they'd be okay.
0: Interesting. Very, strange,
1: very, very strange time. Yeah. So, but they, uh, she was coming around court a lot more. And once uh, she was there, she would also use, kind of try to use that to her advantage a little bit um, to try to ga- gather uh, favors from um, the ki- the king and the queen, and for her, all of her friends. Um, and so she instantly was seen um, by a lot of people as um, much different than most of the other people at court.
0: Well, I mean, she sounds kind of wild already.
1: Yeah, she's kind of wild. If you watch the uh, Marie Antoinette movie that uh, Sophia Coppola did, she is the character that's played by Rose Byrne, um, mm. the dark she definitely is very kind of you know, like fun-loving and kind of uh, you know definitely the life of the party.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have to watch that again. It's so good. yeah. Um,
1: but Marie uh, um, Antoinette offered her a bunch of uh, rooms at the at Versailles, a whole suite of rooms. Um, and actually, because they were in, uh, incredibly in debt, she Marie Antoinette asked the royal treasury to pay off all of their debts as well, which you know is not that gonna sounds be.
0: great. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: not going to be so great for them in the in the future here. But um you know while but while Lambao was pushed aside um Polignac was favored more and more. And of course, spent most of her time with Marie Antoinette. She encouraged her, um, basically, for to hold more parties, just um, spend more time at Trianon. Uh, because while she didn't really love the the pomp and the uh, formality of court, they loved to go down to the Trianon and down to the Hamo and spend a lot of their time. Um, Polenek was also. A lot of times later on would be rumored um, and some people I've actually had people ask me this. um, It was rumored for a long time that they were lovers.
0: Mm, Hello.
1: Yeah, but she actually uh, most likely um, had affairs with um, a few of the other gentlemen that were there at court. Gentleman visitors. Yeah. She had, uh, they ended up, she and her husband had four children between 1768 and
0: 1781.
1: Wow. Um, And while she was at Versailles, you know, she was using her position to gain all of this uh, favors and free things. Also for her family and her husband's family, giving them titles and properties as well. She would throw these lavish salons in her rooms at Versailles. And during the week, it was kind of for people that were in court. But on the weekends, it would be she'd invite some of the elite, um, you know, the different artists from Paris and the authors and everything. And they'd all come out to Paris at first or out to Versailles. At first, um, Marie Antoinette was always willing to go. And then eventually she would send a valet ahead to check out who was there and to report back to Marie Antoinette if it even was worth her time.
0: (laughs) That's so funny.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So things were, you know, very good between the two of them for a while. Um, You could tell if you go through uh, this episode and last week's episode is basically when things were good for one of our ladies, it wasn't for the other and vice versa. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we're sensing a pattern.
1: Yeah, there was definitely a pattern. Um, She, um, her role that was there at court, she, because um, she was there so much. And then, you know, like we said, you, everybody was given a title. Um, So in 1782, she was actually given the job of being the governess of the royal children. Um, So basically she was the nanny. Um, Mm -hmm. She was given 13 rooms in Versailles. Um, which was nine more than the previous uh, governess had. The previous governess was uh, in the, the fifth generation of a family that had held that job. And all of a sudden she was out of a job and Madame de Polignac was moved
0: into it. Oh, that's so funny. The fifth generation nanny was getting the boot.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but Bellinek was not there was nothing really motherly and loving about her. She kind of didn't even like doing the job. She barely was around the children. She had other people that would kind of take care of them and look after them um, because she was more into um, the parties and having fun. Um, it then started to come out in the press, you know, about all of these times that Marie Antoinette was down at the uh, Trianon and having all these parties and how she was dressing in these, you know, unqueenly ways. Um, and so Polinec ended up becoming like public enemy number one because everybody looked at her as the influence over Marie Antoinette to be doing all these bad things.
0: Oh, yeah, because it's all her fault.
1: Yeah. And spending all this money, which, you know, I'm sure if it got out there that the treasury paid off her debts, I'm sure that wasn't going to help her uh, public image too much.
0: Yeah. All these poor people starving in the streets. Yeah, but she
1: also would use Marie Antoinette um, and her influence over her to help um, start to do, make um, public officials and block promotions of different people that she, Polynek just decided she didn't like. She would um, influence Marie Antoinette to step in and get involved in it and to sway her to what she was thinking.
0: Oh, so she was more like an advisor.
1: Yeah, well, not, but not in a good way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Party advisor.
1: Yeah, she definitely, uh, she definitely got into a lot of trouble. But, you know, she was rumored, of course, to be a lover of the queen. She was also rumored to have been involved with Alex von Fursten, who was um, a, was actually involved with Marie Antoinette. And also the Count um, d'Artois, who was the future Louis
0: XVIII. She sounds like a great nanny,
1: yeah, she was a great <laughs> nanny, yeah, she was just a you know the queen of the parties um she would leave um with her husband and also her lover. She took her lover with her, the comte comte de vauchois on May thirteenth. They went to England to go to bath for six weeks um with their husband and lover in tow, oh my um, God. Yeah, they were, um, their relationship with the Queen had kind of cooled off a little bit at this point. And so it was rumored that she was actually being exiled from Versailles and from France. Um, and so she was being sent away. Um, at that, When she was gone, Madame Sophie, one of the daughters of Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI died. Um, And so as a governess, she was away, but she saw she showed very little signs of um, caring that any of that even happened and didn't even try to rush back.
0: Wow. So the nanny didn't even care that her job was literally like dying off. Yeah, she (laughs) didn't really care. Uh, But she they returned to court. And at the end
1: at the end of June, um, it was just a month later, just two days after the storming of the Bastille, on July 16, 1789, that she and her husband were urged to leave Versailles right away. Um, you know, it was after the Bastille had been stormed. The king um, had ended up talking to somebody to provide um, their family with fake passports that they were under the name of Swiss merchant Etienne Bezel and his family, and were told to leave quickly. Um, they left so fast with their four children that they um, had nothing but the clothes on their back. They were packed into two different carriages and they traveled for three days, um, never stopping um, for food or lodging and just eating the bread and wine that they had brought with them.
0: That was smart.
1: Yeah, very smart. Um, They stayed in Switzerland for a short period of time and then they moved down to Turin and to Rome um, and then eventually to Venice where they married off uh, her son Armand in Venice Um, But at each stop, she was sending letters to Marie Antoinette and they Marie Antoinette was um, writing back to her um, with all of her support and her love, telling her, you know, to not come back. And she was fine and um, just to to stay away Um, at that time. They were also getting other letters that um, her husband was just getting um, very upset because in the press, Polignac was getting blamed for a lot of the excess um, in her influence, like we said, over Marie Antoinette. And he was just livid because he didn't think they'd ever did anything wrong.
0: Of course, it would
1: never do anything wrong. Never do anything wrong. Um, At the time um, when she was at Versailles, um, another lady we've talked about before, Elisabeth Vigée Lebrun, It was the amazing artist um, who painted Marie Antoinette quite a few times, as well as many of the other ladies at court had painted um, uh, Madame de Polignac six different times. Wow. Uh, Yeah. After she left uh, court, uh, Marie Antoinette gave one of her paintings to the postmaster who had helped um, obtain the papers and the fake passport and the papers that the King had asked for, for the family um, so they could make their escape. Um, The painting remained in his family um, and his last descendant ended up giving it to the Duke de Polignac, who then interred gave it to Versailles where we could see it today.
0: Very cool. I love following this little history, uh, little hole. Uh,
1: (laughs) All the dots, Um, but there's a, there's a whole part of Versailles which a lot of people don't um, venture to see because they go to see, you know, the the fantastic apartments and all of those rooms, um, but there is some galleries there. There's the, um, can't remember the actual name, but it's like the bat. It's like this huge room with these massive, massive paintings that are. It's like the battle, like the battle. Um, gallery and it has these huge paintings that go over time of all these different battles they have busts of all these different generals and stuff but it's a really really cool room to see and then there's also all the portraits that they have um you can see quite a few of those right before you go into that room um and there's also a large copy that jacques louis david did of napoleon's coronation there
0: i need to go check that out i was thinking about going next week actually You
1: should. You definitely should, especially before everybody comes back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But on January 21st, 1793
1: is the day, of course, that the king ended up being killed. Um, When the word reached Polignac, she was devastated and her health began to fail. Um, Nine months later, Marie Antoinette, of course, um, also met her fate in October um, she, her son tried to keep it from Madame de Polignac and she did for, they were able to keep it from her for a month. Um, but when they finally, when she finally heard the news that her old friend had died, she died two weeks later. Um, what? She died two weeks after hearing that Marie Antoinette had died, um, on dis- and she died December 5th, 1793 in Vienna. She either died of tuberculosis or cancer. What? That's crazy. Yeah, at least she didn't have, you know, it's a little bit better way to go than poor Lambool. <laughs> How old was she? She wasn't. Um, she wasn't that. Well, she was forty-four. She wasn't that old at all.
0: Wow. So she had heartbreak and cancer or heartbreak. tuberculosis.
1: Yes, heartbreak. All of those. All of those things.
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad she ran away, though. At least she didn't have to stay in prison and be tortured.
1: Yeah. But she's definitely, you know, much has been written. Um, You know, there's books. I read a wonderful book about um, Madame de Lambour. Um, Polignac is just kind of mostly known for just being this kind of frivolous and, you know, a partier and just wanting to have fun all the time. Um, But, you know, she was, you know, when they were they forced her to leave. Um, but Lamboul, you know, she basically was like, you know, she was not going to leave the side of Marie Antoinette.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy that she cared that much because a lot of those people just used, you know, used the court, but it sounds like she actually did generally care about her. Yeah.
1: But Polignac, you know, she, if they had remained, they would have been killed. She, yeah. Being that close to Marie Antoinette and also being kind of public enemy, Number 1 um you know right there with Marie Antoinette she definitely would have uh she would have definitely had her date with the guillotine had they not left when they did.
0: Yeah seriously going for 3 days and not stopping is what they should everyone should have done just run away. Yeah yeah
1: just to get out of there uh, you know good thing uh, you have wine and wine and and bread.
0: Yeah seriously just need some wine and bread that was actually all I lived off of my first year in Paris cuz I was so poor. <laughs> See, it works today yeah wine and breads all you need the essentials well thanks for tuning in guys and don't forget to join claudine every sunday for her live virtual tours around paris and also for her vacation planning if you're planning a trip to france contact contact claudine she can help you discover the country in a whole different way in a special way with secret places and the best restaurants and the best things to do so go to her website, ClaudineHemingway.com and tune in next week.
1: Thank you for listening to Paris History avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris or it's Lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.